Welcome back to the podcast, dear listeners. Today, we whisper a final goodnight to the world-famous magician, Harry Houdini, as we talk about the tradition of Houdini seances that have taken place continuously since Houdini died on Halloween night in 1926. First, if you've missed any of the previous episodes on Houdini, you might want to push pause on this and listen to those first as they will give you more backstory and context. Those episodes are called Harry Houdini, The Magician Among the Spirits, Madame Bess Houdini, and The Witch of Lime Street versus Houdini. Okay, go listen to those, then come back. All right, you've got that taken care of. Let's continue. Houdini spent the final decade of his life exposing mediums and psychics. He felt that they were charlatans who were taking advantage of grieving people. For context, 16 million people had died in World War I, which had ended barely a decade before. And the year after World War I ended, 50 million people died of the Spanish influenza. The people living at this time were absolutely traumatized by death. So it makes total sense that people would cling to the idea that there was a possibility of contacting spirits on the other side. This was also a time of technological change. You've got Nikola Tesla and Marie Curie doing all their experiments during this time. And then, of course, you've got Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, raging spiritualist, egging everyone on. And I need to make t-shirts of that, by the way. That seems to be the historical catchphrase. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, raging spiritualist. But anyway, everyone trusted this guy as a genius because he invented Sherlock Holmes, but he was just a leader of the lost. So when Houdini experienced the loss of his mother, even though he was a skeptic, he also had a scientific mind and was open to the idea that seances could maybe get him in contact. What he found, however, was that every medium employed the same tricks he himself and his wife had used during their vaudeville days. So he would attend seances in disguise, then he would announce himself dramatically and say, I am Harry Houdini and you are a fraud, then promptly expose their tricks to the rest of the people in attendance. He had made an enemy of spiritualists, and there are some theories out there that the punch to the gut that aided in his demise may have been a hired hit by spiritualists. So given all of that, why seances after he died? Harry Houdini was world famous and had a healthy dose of ego. He and Bess believed, as I'm sure millions of fans across the world, that if anyone could make contact from the other side, it would be him. So he made a pact with Bess that after he died, that she would try to contact him via seance every year for 10 years on the anniversary of his death. Their secret code was Rosabelle Believe, which was a lyric from one of the songs Bess used to sing when she was with the Floral Sisters on Coney Island. Houdini died young. He was only 52, with Bess a few years his junior. She struggled with alcohol and was preyed on by false mediums after his death. Thousands of spiritualists across the world said that they had made contact with Harry, and they would write to her or announce their messages to newspapers who had no problem sensationalizing this. Poor woman. Marjorie and Walter, our old friends, said that they had heard from the magician, but they, of course, weren't the ones to grab Bess's attention. In 1928, a man named Arthur Ford got in touch with Bess with an explosive message. Arthur Ford was a spiritualist minister in New York that had a spirit guide named Fletcher. Interestingly, he claimed to make contact with Houdini's mother Cecilia in February, nowhere near the traditional seance date of Halloween. Ford said that Cecilia gave him the message, forgive. He wrote to Bess and Bess replied in bewilderment because the word coming from Cecilia did have significance to Houdini. Bess 
remember she was addicted to alcohol by this point, started attending seances with Ford. In 1929, Ford claimed that he received a message from Houdini himself, a code spelling out belief. He then, while in a trance, told Bess to tell the people in the room what Rosabelle means and to take off her ring. I should also note here, there was speculation that Bess was in love with Ford, so there's another added layer to this. Bess was emotional, and Ford's supporters wrote on Bess's stationery that the message was real, and then they had her sign it. She did sign it, and it was reported worldwide that contact had been made with Houdini. However, Houdini's old friends and stagehands told Bess that she had been swindled. Enough people knew the code that it wasn't something a nefarious medium might be able to crack. And furthermore, some said it had actually been published in a biography of Houdini that had come out the year before. Remember, there's no internet, so it wasn't exactly easy for people to check up on this stuff. Bess recanted, and the newspapers blared headlines that she had put forward up to this hoax, which wounded her deeply. She wrote vehement letters to the papers denying any wrongdoing. She continued with her Halloween seances until 1936, when she hosted the final one on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel in Hollywood. Listen to the episode Madame Bess Houdini for more specifics on that seance, and I also have a transcript of everything said during that seance in today's show notes. When asked why she had said a final goodnight to Houdini, Bess replied, 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. Just love her for that one. Now, the last seance hosted by Bess is not the end of the story. Hardeen, Houdini's younger brother Theo, the one that would take over the tricks and illusions after Houdini was done with them, he decided to take on an assistant a magician named Sidney Radner. Hardeen hosted the seances once Bess was done. Hardeen then passed the torch on to Sid. Sid trademarked the term official Houdini seance, and that seance has been hosted every year since Houdini's death. Each sitting has an inner circle that includes relatives and descendants of Houdini. Sid died in 2011, but the seances continue, and the one this year is actually taking place in Niagara Falls. But the trademarked official Houdini seance isn't the only game in town. When he died, Houdini was serving as president of the Society of American Magicians. The society began visiting Houdini's grave at Macpila Cemetery in New York every Halloween for a broken wand ceremony. Members say, the curtain has at last been rung down. The wand is broken. Then they snap a wooden wand. The event grew so popular that the cemetery, in particular Houdini's grave, suffered a lot of vandalism. The cemetery is no longer open on Halloween, and instead the broken wand ceremony takes place in November. Houdini's grave itself long had a bust of the magician, but the bust was stolen or destroyed four times. The Society of American Magicians had a new bust created and placed in 2011, and so far that one has endured. It's been 93 years since Houdini's death, and so far no message has been received. Could Houdini's greatest escape be on the horizon? We'll have to wait and see. That's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this spooky month of magic and spirits. I actually wrote a story a few years ago called Houdini's Last Seance, and it's being published in an anthology, which I'm really excited about. So when that actually does come out, I'll link it here. Also, I now have a Houdini-inspired cologne, so check that out in the show notes. And join me again this Thursday for a special Halloween episode as we hear the tale of the Blood Countess. Blood Countess.